Welcome to the RSP cast. We're going to do a special version of Scout Talk. And um, I have someone on, and Daniel Harms, who is with Fantasy Astronauts, who is with RGR. He is a fellow tapehead like myself. Um, you know, we'll put it that way. And uh, I, I'm just been looking forward to this podcast for about the past six weeks, Daniel, because you and I are going to have a lot of fun chopping this up. I love that, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Honestly, like it's I've ever since we we met with you know Dave Kluge over on on his podcast, we we talked about getting together, getting on. I've been literally looking forward to it since then because I, I love talking football with you, and I've always admired you. And in this space, it's one of the guys that I've looked up to since I started. And so being able to talk football with you is always an incredible pleasure. So I'm really excited about this. Well, well, I'm 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 really honored to hear that because you do fantastic work. Um, you should definitely check out Daniel's work, um, you know, at Fantasy Astronaut, at RGR, and of course on Twitter you can find him in Harm's Way, on um, Harm's Way nineteen on Twitter, um, and you can find his breakdowns there. You can find him on TikTok. You can look up Daniel Harm's on TikTok. You'll find him there as well. Um, YouTube, of course, you know, youtube.com slash c slash RGR football. <laughs> You can check that out. You're going to find some great work there. And we're going to we're going to have six subjects that we're going to discuss today as ways to chop up some of what we've seen in this draft cycle with skill talent. Um, and obviously, you're looking at you're looking at the red background here, the helmet to over his right shoulder. You got the Chiefs hat on if you're that dense and didn't notice the other stuff I just mentioned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be an early morning for you, late night. I don't know, but. You know, obviously you watch a lot of Travis Kelsey. Are there any tight ends in this class, in your opinion, that you feel could be even in a tier within Kelsey's skill set if they get the right landing spot and develop to their potential? Yeah, I think when we were trying to do this, you know, if you figure the tight end landscape, especially for fantasy from a skill skill possession from even from the NFL talent standpoint, it's lacking at, at talent. So right now, Travis Kelsey has just been the, not just you know the embodiment of consistency, but elite consistency. And the reason he's been able to do that, I really have come down to a couple different things. The the hip fluidity that he possesses is unique for a tight end. Yeah. Even the better tight ends in the NFL, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, they don't have what he has in, in the ability to move the way he does and the ankle flexion to set up linebackers and corners and defensive backs to make them think he's going one way, but he knows he's going the other way. Even now, when everyone knows that he's setting them up, it doesn't matter. He still gets open because not just of that, because, you know, Andy Reid's scheme and everything like that. But he has a quarterback mind. He sees the field like a quarterback, and that's why him and Patrick Mahomes have had this connection from the start. They see the game very similarly, and they know the spaces in the defense that they're going to get open. So those are two points. And then the manipulation that we kind of hit on earlier with his intention, the way he uses his head his shoulders, his hips to all sell one way and he goes the other way. There's really only one tight end that I think has the tools, at least from a developmental standpoint. I, you know, Musgrave's a very athletic guy. I don't think he's very good at selling routes, at manipulation. I don't know if he's going to be able to develop that point from a defensive understanding standpoint. But Dalton Kincaid, when you watch the way that he breaks down, his hip fluidity and his ankle flexion match the kind of skill set you're looking for in taking that and molding it into a guy again you have to make sure he can develop the understanding of defenses that's the biggest one of the biggest things for 
weapons, wide receivers, tight ends, and uh, running backs, when they're running routes, how are they going to be able to get open? It's much more than just your skill set. It's how you understand what's happening in front of you and being able to relay, re relay that to your quarterback. So Kincaid moves re really well. He's got good footwork in and out of his breaks. And I think that when you're able to break down as quickly as he does, flip his hips around, find the football, you know, he's always ready with his hands. He gets everything around on time. And he was kind of, in my opinion, used poorly at Utah, really poorly at Utah. You see him in these, like, these jumbo sets and okay Dalton Kincaid's not a good blocker y'all he gets he gets hands in the chest he gets forklifted whatever and I know that a lot has been made especially over the last couple of seasons as people try to tear down Travis Kelsey's greatness um he's not a very good blocker well that's contrary to popular belief he's a very good blocker but you have elite blockers in tight end level that are that don't make him look as good but he understands leverage he knows what he has to do and when you aren't as gifted as a blocker, you need to understand how to just either get yourself in the way or leverage yourself as like this, you know, this void in between yourself and the defensive player to get a little crease for either your running back or what, your wide receiver, whoever's running behind you. So he's understood all of that. Kincaid has a lot, to, a lot of ways to go with that. I think he's a better blocker in space. Um, then he is an inline blocker. Personally, he can get on those angles a little bit better. When you're asking to block in line, it, it doesn't look pretty. He's pretty he's pretty bad at locating his hands properly and getting the leverage with his legs. But everything from a route running perspective and understanding of defensive leverage, he has the beginnings of all of those. He has good hands. He's also very good at catch to attack, which is a very important thing for guys like Travis Kelsey who understand where this defensive guy behind me, I know in the back of my head he's coming down to this point, so I'm going to pivot around where he is, and now I have open space. I think I think Kincaid understands space really well. So he's the only guy from a fundamental route running perspective, I think leverage understanding and just having the flexibility in his hips and ankles that gives you that, that, that starting point to be able to develop into a possible tier of Travis Kelsey type player. I think that was a fantastic breakdown and couldn't agree with you more. Really don't have much to add on that other than that what I would probably say is that, you know, when you're talking about, just for our audience, when you're talking about the flexibility in the hips mm -hmm. um, and the ankles, how that plays out is, you know, for a lot of people, we're thinking from a practical perspective, the, the hard breaks. You want to have someone who can accelerate and drop their weight like they're sitting in a mm -hmm. chair to come to a quick stop and flip around to run those stop routes, to run yep. comebacks, to run curls. And a lot of that underneath game sets up the seam game so that you can run those mm -hmm. double moves. And one thing that, as you pointed out, Kelsey was always been so great at is being able to flip the hips. And you could even see that at Cincinnati where he would run yeah. double moves, where he would flip those hips and the he would leave a, a linebacker or even a safety in the dust. And then with Kincaid, you get that. But on top of that too, you get after the catch, he has that ability to really transition on a dime, get, you know, get downhill quickly yes. like Kelsey does. And he often makes the first man miss or breaks the first tackle. And that comes down again mm -hmm. to ankle flexion, being able to drop your weight, being able to be in situations where you can manipulate your body to maintain your balance. And that allows you to work through that contact. So, and I love your analysis of his blocking. I mean, Stock blocker, he's fine. If you want him to be a lead blocker, like on a windback mm -hmm. or or as a on counter, he can do 
you know, Yulman's work. He's not he's yeah. not going to be fantastic, but he's not going to kill you on that um, consistently. Like he'll have some bad plays, but he'll do some. He can get in there and do the work. And I think there's potential for him to grow. But you're not if you're looking for like starting, getting him to start. You know, you're gonna you want him on the outside because he's already. Mm-hmm in the position to be a difference maker and how well he can go up and win the ball, what he can do at the catch point, tracking the football, positioning himself against tight coverage. And really, like you said, tight end play, I've, I've kind of argued this with uh, Adam Harstead, he and I, when we do a show um, on Film and Data, where really one of the things that we've pointed out is that there aren't many tight ends like Rob Gronkowski. I mean, they're really... Yeah. There, we just don't. I mean, Kelsey was the closest to me. You know, you have Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski. Both could go downfield. Both could match up against corners if you needed them to. Um, mm-hmm. Both can block at the line of scrimmage. Gronkowski could do maybe that little extra where, yeah, he could man up a, t- a, a defensive <laughs> end or our strong side linebacker, and you could be okay with that. But they can't stay. It's such a diverse skill set where you're mm-hmm. asking a Gronkowski to do. And it's amazing that him or Kittle or Kelsey, Kelsey gets put in a box where, like you said, they don't use him as much maybe like they did with Gronkowski or Kittle in line. Um, But he still can block. He's always been Mm -hmm. able to. But it also saves him from the punishment that happens in line and allows him to be more receiver um, than blocker on that kind of a level. Um, So I guess... I just just a bonus question that we weren't going to cover, but I'm just curious about it. Is have you watched Luke Schoonmacher um, mm-hmm. at all? What do you think of him? Because when I look at him, I think Michigan has a system that kind of keeps you from seeing what he could be as a an outside weapon. But if there's a guy that I think has a shot of like, and I don't think he's, I don't know if he's going to get there. But if there's a guy I'm interested to in seeing could be that unicorn in this class. It would be him. It's so fun that you talk about Luke Schoonmaker because I'm a Michigan fan. So I've watched him at Michigan for quite a while. Obviously, this last year, people really got to see him, and he's always open. And that's the one thing that when you you think about a guy who's actually a really good inline blocker, he can block anywhere on the field because that's a requirement to play at Michigan. They're going to play smash-mouth football. They're going to bring three tight ends out at times, and they're going to – put the game in the running back ha- running back's hands. Sometimes they'll have you know, your tight ends leak out every now and then. But you have a young quarterback who I believe should have been throwing the football more from the start in J.J. McCarthy because the offense in college football is very much determined by your quarterback play. You can – yeah, good. You ran over Ohio State two years in a row. But you're not going to win – football games in the you know in the national championship game against the TCU who you have to throw the ball against <laughs> and then against Georgia who you still will have to throw the football against with the run game and I again will save my Jim Harbaugh talk for another time possibly because he can frustrate I <laughs> uh, frustrate me pretty much but Luke Schoonmaker is a, a guy again a really really athletic player that you didn't get to see that at Michigan. You didn't get to see the athlete he was on the field because a lot of it is, yeah, I'm going to run this little stop route. I'm going to run a drag route. I'm going to run a corner. You didn't see a ton of like just run down the seam from him or go, go downfield and be a, a guy on the outside. So from, you know, a, a height, he's a big athletic tight end. So I would love to see a team like, you know, the chiefs take this, a guy like him on day three, he might even go, I've seen some mocks where he's like on, on in the third round. 
I don't know if that's going to be his his actual draft position yet. But in the fourth round or you know, probably early day three, I think he's going to find himself being drafted around there with the athletic upside. The teams are going to be like, look, we know you're a really good blocker. You don't have the developed route tree because of the offense you played in. So we're going to take a chance on you because we already know you can come in, you can block right now. Yeah. I mean, just let's just go ahead and start throwing you on some seam routes, on some some over routes down the, the intermediate parts of the field and see what we got. Because if you again, if you do hit on a player like that with the athletic upside, he's got the the uh, ability, the physical ability to really take his game to a next level. All depends, like you said, on the, the des- destination, the landing spot, all that development aspect. But he has a lot of traits that you're looking for from a, a talent perspective and you already know he can block. So he's definitely a guy I've had my eye on for a little while now. I was hoping that he wouldn't catch as much steam going into the draft. So maybe the chiefs could like take him at the back, back into the fourth or into the fifth or something like that. But it looks like he's starting to creep up, but good for him. Yeah. He's a good player. And I think he'll be a good NFL pro as well. I think he's a, I think he could be a steal. So I, I mean, mm-hmm. because the little I've seen him, he does drop his weight and accelerates into breaks. He has that ability to to bend his his hips, and I've seen you know I agree that like the route tree needs to be expanded. You need to see what he can do against maybe instead of linebackers, what he can do against safeties, nickelbacks, mm-hmm. and 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 outside corners. But I think the athletic ability, like you said, might be there. So I can't wait to see what happens there. So me either. Yeah, man. So let's let's move. And I learned it was Schoonmaker, so that's good because I've been every time somebody asks me about a tight end, <laughs> I mentioned I'm going. I haven't I haven't listened to a, a cast yet to see what his name is or or, or broadcast. I'm just watching the old twenty two, and I'm like, I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm butchering his name. So that's awesome. It's exactly what it looks like too. So that, that's always it's always fun. Sometimes you you can get in your own head about a name, but it, like if it sounds exactly the way it looks, I'm like, okay, yeah. that that works out for me. Yeah, I was like, I was I was like literally. Oh, for three because I was like Schoonmacher, um, <laughs> Schoonmacher, and something I think, um, Schoonmaker or something, you know. But I think I got Schoonmaker right, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, so let's you probably grew up watching Jamal Charles, I have to imagine. If you're a Chiefs, you were a Chiefs fan, um, I actually I joined right as Priest Holmes became like a Chief. That's when I started watching like football, and I remember my earliest memories were like the prime days of the Chiefs running backs. <laughs> that's awesome. So then, yeah, you absolutely did. So then, I think Ty J. Spears has a lot of skills that remind me of Charles. So I'm wondering if you think one. Charles was the best running back the Chiefs has had as a talent. Not just stats, but just from film and as you study. And I know that maybe you haven't studied Priest Holmes on film. Maybe you haven't studied Jamal Charles on film. <laughs> but just from even just looking back, do you think do you think Charles was was the best guy talent wise? Or do you or do you have another thought about that? No, I think Jamal Charles not only was the best running back the Chiefs have ever had, he's one of the best historical running backs. But his career cut short due to injuries. Um, I think that most people would understand more about Jamal Charles and the greatness that he possessed had he stayed healthy and got the play in Andy Reid's system a little bit more. That really, like, I think about all of the talent that he had and that was wasted on these early Chiefs teams that weren't all that great. He didn't have the best offensive line, and yet he still leads NFL history in yards per carry. That's like that's what I I think about. Like these offensive lines that were so bad and it didn't matter for Jamal Charles. That's how I you know I watch him and I'm just like this guy is different. He moves different. He looks different. The way he 
catches the football, the way the, he he runs, it moves, it looks all different to to watching even guys like in today's NFL, like you know Saquon Barkley. He he looks they all these guys look different, and Jamal was like that. So I did not like I said. Not only do I think he was the best running back talent wise that I've ever seen in Kansas City, because you know I've watched. I would have gone back and I've watched some of the greats that played in Kansas City, and obviously they they had the glory days of the running back in Kansas City too. But he's historically, in my opinion, from what I've seen watching, again, I don't get to watch all twenty-two of like Barry Sanders, but we've all seen the stuff like that uh, from the highlight films. I think he's one of the most talented running backs ever. So that's that. That's how I feel about Jamal. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, to me, I remember watching him at Texas and watching him and thinking. This is that kid in the back of the classroom who's, you know, it's like math class and they're they're learning algebra and he's getting like C's and C pluses mm-hmm. on tests. And it's because he's not really preparing for the material. He's too busy at night working out physics problems and doing experiments with physics um, <laughs> in like his basement or in his attic at home and he wakes up too tired and forgot that he needed to study whatever it was and like quickly read whatever he did and slapdash put it together because when you saw him at Texas he would bounce things outside that he had no business trying to bounce out and often make it um, mm-hmm. and often be able to do it but he would make daring choices and you would say if he's gonna he might need a year to figure this out in the league, like where his limits are. And once he knows his limits, look out like that Mm -hmm. dude, you know, as long as that happens. And that's what kind of happened with him, you know, and, and I, and I loved him because he was someone that really taught me that a young bat, that a a lighter back could, and if they initiate contact, they dictate the movement chain. And once Mm -hmm. you dictate that movement chain, you win and he could hold up between the tackles because you'd watch him against Oklahoma defensive tackles where he would work into the line, accelerate towards them, drop his pads and like, or deliver a stiff arm. And he would make first contact and then immediately spin off that contact. And before the defender could even grab him that, you know, all he got was like tatters of a Jersey and Mm -hmm. Charles was off into the secondary and I remember that was something I learned was it was if you make first contact, you dictate the terms and you can play bigger than what you look. And I just love the bravado of him. This was on because at the time I remember watching Adrian Peterson at at Oklahoma and just the sheer force of nature he was. And the first running back I remember watching getting so excited about that I would tell people, I go, if you're a football fan, you have to watch this guy. Like you, you, and I remember Jamal Charles going to Texas and saying, as a fresh entering freshman in his first press conference, I'm going to make people forget about Adrian Peterson because they <laughs> forgot about that. And I remember hearing that and thinking, wow, that is a, that man, this kid is like way over, you know, yeah. way over his skis saying that. And then watching him play, I was like, this guy's good enough to nearly back that up. You know, and he and he may not have backed that up, but mm. it's kind of like it. You know, it's like someone saying, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make Muhammad Ali forget. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna make Ali fight for his life in a in a mm-hmm. in a twelve round fight." 
and you make it all 12 rounds and he you certainly put him on the ropes a number of times and maybe even knocked him down and he may have won the fight but you're like total respect you know yeah. you know unbelievably great player so what is your take moving today what's your take on the state of the chiefs running back depth chart now i mean obviously we had you know we entered the season and Clyde Edwards Hilaire was still kind of was the incumbent they brought in Jarek McKinnon experienced scat back you know, then, then of course there was Isaiah Pacheco, who you know started to come on and produce towards the end of the year and produce well in the playoffs or at least in some you know in the Super Bowl. Um, what are your thoughts on you know this team in terms of who's where each of these players are going? Whether the Chiefs are going to look in a different direction um, and maybe add somebody through the draft, and what do you think they should do? Yeah, the Chiefs running back room is a little interesting. Just from like looking at it from an outside perspective, there's a seventh round rookie who, again, like you said, played well last year, scored in the Super Bowl. Him and Jarek McKinnon were just holding down everything last year because Clyde was hurt. And honestly, Clyde probably had his best start to the season he ever had. And then he got hurt again. But it was more efficiency for him. He was scoring touchdowns. He was catching passes. And those are things that he needed to do anyway in the NFL. Like the, that, That's how he was getting to his to his starting roles, scoring touchdowns and catching passes, things that he kind of needed to do to come out anyway. And be, to be worthy, he was never going to be worthy of that first-round pick, by the way. It just never was going to happen. Um, but he's, in my opinion, on the outside looking in. I don't know if he's going to be on the roster opening day in 2023. I don't know. Um there's been lots of discussion. I know that they've turned down his fifth-year option. He's not going to be in Kansas City past this year regardless. So if he's on the roster, he's on the roster. He'll be used in a rotational purpose. But I still believe they're going to bring back Jarek McKinnon like two, three weeks out, outside of training camp because he doesn't want to do any of this offseason stuff. And they've probably got this understanding like, yeah, you don't need to. We, we understand what you're going to be in Kansas City for. You know what you got to do. You know the offense. We're not worried about it. So that comes down to Isaiah Pacheco as the starting running back in Kansas City. That's not a good place to be. And that's not because he's not a good back. He's fine for what he is. But you watch what he does. He is a really good space running back. He's excellent in space. He's like, okay, I got space to maneuver my short area quickness and my high hipped running style does not is not affected in here if he's running between the tackles running through zone that's where he has problems he doesn't see the holes you, that you want him to see again he does still try to extend it to the outside because that's in his brain he's like i'm four three if i can get to the outside i can go hit somebody and i can get maybe 10 a 15 yard gain on that but but again it goes back to what the chiefs just typically want to do they used Orlando Brown Jr. as this, okay, we have ability now to run the ball in a more gap power scheme oriented offense with Joe Tooney, with Creed Humphrey, with Trey Smith, and then Andrew Wiley, who is now in Washington, who is really more of an athletic uh, tackle. So Orlando Brown's not there anymore. Your unathletic left tackle is gone, and now apparently it's going to be Juwan Taylor. That signals to me that they want to go back to their zone game, which in at least from everything that I have seen from Isaiah, it's not to say he's not going to progress from year one to year two. Who knows what's going to happen? But he's yeah, a better he gap was, runner. He came in as a better yeah, gap runner. For exactly. Sure. He was always a better gap runner. And you can watch most of his big explosive plays come from space, from when he's in space, when he's operating behind a polar, or you have this gigantic open B gap from, 
you from either you know Joe Tooney pulling or Trey Smith pulling from right to left and making this huge gain. So personally, when I look at the running back room, we don't know for sure if Jarek McKinnon will be back in Kansas City. I expect it, but still, older guy who's had injury history in the past. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I don't expect to be a future running back. Also, injury history in the past. What's going to happen? So you have Isaiah Pacheco, who I also think playing style is leans into getting hurt because he doesn't shy away from contact. He runs really high, really tall running back. He doesn't get down very much. When he does, it comes all the way down, and he tries to lower his shoulders. That's hip up and down. There's no like side-to-side movement with him. It's very much, I'm going to run you over, or I'm going to get tackled. And we kind of saw that in the Super Bowl as well. So they have to draft a running back. They absolutely have to. There's nobody else on this roster that can shoulder a full load because you have two guys with injury history behind Isaiah. I think his running style leans that way as well. So uh, I think they have to draft one. It's going to be on day three. They're not going to take another first-round draft pick to running back. I know some people probably want Bijan Robinson to drop into Kansas City's lap. That's not happening. Uh, Jameer Gibbs would be fun. A lot of fun in Kansas City. I won't lie. It'd be a lot of fun to have him in Kansas City. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. So I think day three is what we're looking at for them to go ahead and add more talent to their running back room. So who are some day three guys that you feel like would be good fits for Kansas City? Yeah, this is... Uh, I'm, I've gotten quite a bit of the running back class in... I wish Kenny McIntosh would have run a little bit better at his combine because he's the style of back that makes sense. He's not going to be a ton of gap power run. He's going to, I think he's a pretty scheme diverse player. He's not like an elite zone or gap runner, but he's got good enough vision between the tackles and he's a really good pass um, catcher. I think he's got a little bit of work to do in the pass protection department, but he's a guy I think would have made a lot more sense had he, he run a little bit faster. But again, when we're looking at somebody who's going to compare well and complement what Isaiah Pacheco does, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Those two guys together in the backfield does. Um, I wonder where Tank Bigsby is going to go because I want Tank Bigsby in Kansas City like tomorrow. I've been a huge fan of him since last year. And again, when you think about his running style, he's not like the shiftiest guy in the world. I think he's a better space um, mover in terms of getting in and out of breaks and making setting up guys than Isaiah Pacheco is. And he did everything that he was able to do at uh, Auburn without any offensive line. No offensive line help, and he was just continuously trying to to find ways to make things happen. So I also think he's a, an underrated pass catcher. He didn't get used as much in the passing game, but everything that I saw from him were soft hands and attacking it in the air, which all usually translates well. As long as you can do it, you don't need to do it at a high level, in my opinion, in college to be able to translate to being able to catch passes in the NFL. Isaiah Pacheco was not a good pass catcher in college. He did pretty well last year for himself catching the football and making guys um, miss, not necessarily miss in space, but uh, getting yards after the catch. But Zach Evans is another guy I think that they could be looking at, more of a bursty hole hitter that uh, – uh, not necessarily the pass catching aspect. He's an awful pass catcher. He <laughs> can't really do it. Um, but for uh, just a couple of guys that they would be looking at, I I would lean Tank Bigsby myself. Um, but I think that those are a couple of guys that they'll have their eyes on. And Deuce Vaughn would be a lot of fun in Kansas City. That's all I'll say. Yeah, Deuce would be fun. I'm a big Zach Evans fan. So I would love to see Zach Evans in a place like Kansas City. And I hope that maybe the... Uh, the the whole idea of his recruiting adventure being the like yeah, reasons weird. for why people drop him um as well as the the yeah. the transferring but 
because of the lack of production in terms of consistent each year, people will probably put a narrative to, well, he left a national championship caliber team in TCU, but 30 players were threatening to leave according to Gary Patterson. So, I mean, seriously. So, And then lost his job to a freshman. So like that's, yeah, people will say that too. They'll say that too. But when I look, watch his game, I mean, very, very smart player in terms of setting up creases. Um, Excellent pass protector. Um, that's one thing that he is very good at um, and really enjoyed watching him create in a very efficient way. Um, I thought he was more ahead as a decision maker than than Bijan Robinson was last year. Like when I watched mm-hmm. them both, la- not last year, but in 2021, I thought Evans was a little ahead of him in terms of understanding how to set up creases. Robinson yeah. caught up the gap. Um you know, made up the gap there and, you know, obviously is a top prospect in this class. But Evans, I think, could be a, a real steal. He's also, he was also like, I've talked about this in other places, but I did a little digging on him. You know, he was like academic honor roll, like at TCU. He was a smart kid in high school. He just, his parents, I don't think, were equipped to be there to kind of provide the leadership. Um, that he may have needed during the recruiting process. His grandfather was like the paternal, was Mm -hmm. kind of the patriarch of the family and passed away a year before. And Zach took it on himself and you can see what happened there. So, so I think he, I think maybe if I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys that the chiefs could get and go, well, we've done our due diligence on him. And, you know, I know there's stuff about him, but he's a good kid. And, and if that happens, the rich will just get richer. That's a, that's, that would be a fantastic pick. Um, you know, another guy that fits to me, I mean, I look at someone like, you know, I know Israel Abanakana isn't going to get a day three. He's going to be probably earlier than day yeah. three. But, um, you know, another Chase Brown to me is a guy that's a, probably a little better in zone than he is in gap. Um, there's some things with his game that I have issues with. Um, but... I think the acceleration is nice. The ability to set up some creases is there. There's a little bit of Khalil Herbert to his game in terms of what he could aspire to. Um, And then, you know, if I'm looking for a Daryl Williams type who could maybe come in there and say, let's tie the room together a little bit. I'm getting Rodriguez. (laughs) Rodriguez could be that. But a guy I love is Christopher Brooks out of BYU. Who's with Cal? Who's six one two twenty two thirty five? Interesting. He is both. He's good oh, at geez. both gap and zone. <laughs> he's got good hands. He has underrated burst. Um, Zach Zenner, the former Lions, um, oh, okay. back. I think either is represents him or trains him. But he was very good at the uh, at the Hula Bowl. He I've watched him for the past couple of years. One of the better tackle breakers in the game. But he does have good feet and can set things up. Um, I think he could be a steal as kind of a late round guy for sure. And a guy who just intrigues me uh, because when I think of Jamal Charles, I can't help but think of LaShawn McCoy only because mm-hmm. they came from the same draft class and they were both very skilled, creative runners in different yeah. ways. But a guy who reminds me a little of that, but just had an, a, not a great career. Um, he was at Wake Forest when, um, um, Walker was there um, okay, and then Walker left and he was the star there but then he transferred to South Carolina and that's Christian Beal Smith who no one's talking about at all but he's a 5'8", 205 guy um, creative, good footwork 
Um, don't know if he's athletic enough to translate to the NFL in the way that he played the game, but he kind of has that McCoy Freeman kind of vibe that was good for zone running, you know, mm-hmm. but could could do a little bit of both. Those are some guys that just would just are kind of fun mentions there from a from a zone perspective. But what do you think of Tajay Spears yourself? Are you a fan? Where do you, where are you where do you stand on him? Tajay Spears is one of my most probably one of my favorite players to just watch in, in this draft. Like he's not somebody that I even knew about coming into the season. Like I don't even know if I knew about him much before the UC the USC game. Like I, I didn't have eyes on him a ton. Like that was really his coming out party to most of the draft in terms of players that were being evaluated. And then I got to go down to the senior bowl and watch him in person. And let me tell you, seeing somebody in person like that with that ability and the, the speed, the quickness and the agility, it's different. And then getting to watch it, you know, on tape is, is fun and everything, but I actually got to witness it. So that was really, really fun being able to watch that, watch that. But he is my RB four in this, in this draft class. I am that high on him. I think he's going to go on day two because of what he brings from the size and speed standpoint. He put on 10-ish pounds going into the senior bowl and was still as fast as he was before. And that was that was really what opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, this guy's a little bit slender on, on his on his tape, and let's see him at the senior bowl. And his lower half, it was like, I, I guarantee you, most of it was lower half weight that he put on. And it was chiseled. It wasn't just, you know, I'm going to put extra weight on. No, he was in the weight room. He was working. That means a lot to me like that especially for a guy who struggled his story to get through that acl injury um i believe maddie hulk maddie i don't Brown, know if I maddie hulk one of his coaches at, at tulane uh, who wrote an article oh on yeah him maddie hudak. His, yeah. hudak hudak yes that's who it was my apologies maddie um they wrote a great article about him you should really go check it out if you haven't you don't know anything about tajay spears it'll give you a really good in, insight into the player in person that he is and then you see him this this year, and it didn't matter who he was playing. Uh, he was just – I think he might be the best space mover in this draft yeah. outside of, you know, the, like the, the top guys. Like, the, he's the next dude right there. He is so good in space. He sees it just as good as any of the, the, the top guys. He probably sees it better than a lot of guys that are playing in the NFL right yeah. now. He, he understands how to move, use his acceleration and his body because he's not going to, like, run – a ton of dudes over his contact balance isn't the best he but he still falls forward on, on a routine basis and his explosive when he hits a hole <laughs> the dude's into the second and third level in a blink of an eye that's how fast he is and that's not just gonna stop in the nfl it'll it'll be a little bit slower because the, the athletes are a little faster but he's he's so explosive and he can string moves in the open field and that's one of the things that really gets you really gets you noticed at an NFL level and, and becomes a problem for defense. They have to account when you have space to work with. And I personally, the way that defenses are playing now with more of this either cover two or cover four look, you get more intermediate space to work with, to play with. I think teams are like, okay, we don't, this is not the day and age to have that one cut runner where you see a hole and you can hit it all over the end zone because there's nobody back there. Nowadays, there's two, three, four guys back there. So you need to work the intermediate and shorter parts of the field with space players to be able to continuously generate first downs and first downs. First downs are way more important now in the NFL than I think they ever have been because there's more defenders 10, 15 yards back than there ever has been before. And passing has really 
made that a, a, an issue. So when you when you look at what Tajay Spears does well, yeah, he's a home run hitter, but he, he operates in space really, really efficiently, effectively. And he has, I believe he has underrated vision. I think he's a very good guy who can use leverage. He can manipulate every now and then. I think he's he's not at the point of manipulating second level defenders as he needs to be. And that was the big issue with Clyde for me. That's all he did. Like he, 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 was, he was always trying to stop and make linebackers go one way and then go the other. But this is the NFL. You can't do that anymore. You have to, you have to hit a hole if it's there and you got to keep going. So Taj is going to be able to do that right out of the gate. And again, he's got ideal frame in my opinion for running back five ten, two hundred one 201 pounds. Like that's, that's really good for a guy who's going to be in the NFL as a, as a running back with the speed that he does. So I'm hoping that the injury can stay, can stay away. He'll have some issues with pass protection, but at the senior bowl, I did notice that there was a, a rep that he had um, where he, it was with against Anthony Miller. Um, Anthony Miller is an HBU, HBCU linebacker. And he just got worked the first rep. He got destroyed. They went back to those two, three times in a row and he got better each time. So there's coachable aspects to his game that, and he, it's not for lack of wanting, and I think you, you probably you guys have listened to Matt or, or myself on Twitter. Pass protection is like 85% want to do it. You have to want to pass protect as a running back. You can have the technique can be all worked on, but it, it's all about wanting to be able to impose your physical will on somebody else. And that's why offensive linemen have talked about that. Being able to dominate somebody one-on-one gives them such joy. Like that's what you see these guys doing it. So he, like I said, he's a really fun player and what he's going to do in space at at the next level, I think is going to be really, really impressive and really useful. Yeah. He's my running back three. And if, Mm -hmm. and the way I look at it is I'd wait, I'd wait for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can have the other two. I mean, they're both awesome. <laughs> they're both awesome players, but I'll take Tajay Spears. Uh, uh, I, I think that uh, I think he's going to be a bargain for a team, even yeah. if he's a third round pick, you know, I'm with you. So, so yeah, I, I think that was a great overview of his game. I think his receiving games underrated. Um, he's someone Agreed that they again. used as a matchup player late in games. Um, and he could do it against corners. Um, you know, earn the position. Got a couple seam balls too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's a back shoulder play. I think it's against Houston in overtime. Yeah, wins the game. Oh. That was just yep. fantastic. You know, so I was I was raving about that to Russ Landy like mid year, just going, you got to see, you got to see where this guy's at. But yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's definitely a fantastic option. Probably, Chiefs probably won't get their get their shot at him because based not. on what you're looking at there, but um. You know, there are a number of teams that I think that'll be a strong fit for him just based on what you want to do. If if you if you were, um, you know, if you're looking for a player in, in that regard, there, there are guys like, I think of the Dolphins, I think that wouldn't be a bad spot for yeah. him at all. Um, just because, yeah, you already still have some of your old guys there, but Jeff Wilson will always be a nice secondary back always. who can be the utility, can do whatever you need. And... Mostert's getting old, you know, so, yeah. you know, th- that would be a, that would be a wonderful spot. It would be very difficult to defend him with what they have going on on that team. So. Plop him down in Cincinnati. Yes. I don't know if Joe Mixon's going to be there. We know Samaj P. Ryan's gone. Like they, they ran more gap and power last year. Like they're trying to get guys in space and like both of those two running backs were in, in terms of efficiency, the most like top 10 efficient running backs in the passing game. Uh, with Cincinnati last year. Uh, I think that would be a nice spot for him too. Yeah, without a doubt, I love that. So 
What has always stood out to me about Patrick Mahomes has been his ability to process what he sees with that confidence of immediacy. No hesitation from what he mm-hmm. identifies as favorable leverage to when the ball comes out. Uh, and, and you know, Rick Spielman talked about that on the, the athletic podcast with Robert Mays last year. That mm-hmm. That's one of the things that the NFL is, or at least a lot of NFL teams are trying to figure out is how do they assess that in ways beyond the film. Um, and can we figure out testing to do that and how important it is and that the, the closer you are to the middle of the field, the more you have to process. And that running backs, obviously, we're learning that they're, those guys are more valuable with their processing skills. But Mahomes, obviously, is a great example of a player who is just a great processor. Are there any class, quarterbacks in this class, Daniel, that you think have that skill, regardless of what other skills they have or don't have, you know, so they could be starter prospects or guys that you just are hoping to become journeymen or backups, mm-hmm. but they have that processing confidence. I think it's Bryce Young. I, I've watched all of these guys. I think that he's, I've watched every single quarterback prospect yet, but you know, the, the top guys, I've watched a couple of you know, Clayton Toon and we sense in Bennett and I've seen um, Tyson Badgett and guys like that. But when I when I watch Bryce Young, the biggest thing for me that he's better at everybody in the class is, is pre and post snap diagnosing. It's not and when you go from last year where he's throwing bombs to Jamison Williams, he understood, you know, I've got this guy, I can just throw it up to him down the field whenever I want to, and he's pretty much going to be open. And then you go to this year. Offensive line's worse, weapons are worse. He elevates that offense. He had better a better year in terms of his own statistical categories. But that's because when the ball when it wasn't there, he understood I have to get out of the pocket. I have to make something happen. He didn't have he couldn't do that as much in 2021 because he didn't have to. He didn't have to get outside of the pocket a ton, but we knew he could. This year it was more of a I don't have an option because what I thought what I saw pre-snap is like I have a, a guy who's in the slot working one-on-one with the slot corner, but he can't get open. He can't get open because none of their receivers last year could get open so he has to make things make things happen I, I believe that that Bryce Young is the best pre and post snap processor in this entire class and this year really sold that to me because of everything he did again understanding the defense you, you don't see a ton of exotic looks in defense but when you get that shell and you you have a two-man co- uh, concept on the right hand side one guy's running a slant route behind the linebacker the other one's running an out route they're in a stack formation there was this was a play against uh Texas that, that it was again it was quick it was just easy it's an easy understanding play where you have a stack formation the guy in the apex is running that that uh out route to the flat and then you have the guy underneath running that slant route and wherever the linebacker goes that's where the ball's not go- or excuse me that's where the ball's not going so you have the the slant coming behind the linebacker the linebacker takes on the flat route because he's the apex defender so he has to go there and Bryce understands it as soon as he starts to shift his weight to the left side falls out it's on time and it's to that that's to that uh slant receiver for yak he gets the ball out in front of the receivers for Yak. So when I watched these guys, all of them, I really loved C.J. Stroud. I love what he does. I also saw every time something didn't work in the pocket to his extent, he didn't expect that he didn't see, inaccurate balls down the field. You go and go and watch his game against Michigan multiple times. He's just miss, missing guys because you have a little bit of changing in the defense, which makes sense. Michigan's defense likes to change a little bit post-snap. And also, I mean – there was a, 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 a just a defensive lineman in, in his face a lot that 
that impacted him a little bit. Obviously, the Georgia game was a little bit different. He was able to process things post-snap much better than he had all season, and maybe that was a confidence or a big game type thing for him. Well, it was one game sample size, so it's hard to extrapolate that over everything I've seen. But the one constant in Bryce Young's game from last year, at least to this year, in my opinion, is that he was way better than these guys at doing all of that. And so when I'm when I'm trying to I, I I get the worries about Bryce Young. Don't get me wrong, I get it. He's gonna be an extreme outlier if he hits. But I think when you when you understand defenses, when you understand your your scheme that you're being put in and how it's supposed to look pre-snap and then you can adjust on it post-snap. That's how you succeed in the NFL. And another big thing for me was he didn't have a ton of batted balls for his size. He didn't. He didn't have a ton of those guys being able to see where the ball was going to come out. We'll see if it changes in the NFL. But Kyler, that's... Murray, Kyler Murray was also better yeah. at that in his draft class. And Daniel Jones had a ton of batted balls for his size. Just a ton. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting talk and what we're going to see in the next few years. If, if Bryce Young can survive with his size, we'll see. He doesn't have that. Kyler Murray's speed or the arm strength at the same roughly the same size we'll say roughly because we all know that he's not playing at the weight he came in at uh but yeah that's what I think yeah and I and I love the analysis because really one of I remember watching Young and thinking there are a couple there are like four or five throws I watch and I go that was just too good to say that he literally saw that the way he saw it and then yeah. you look at it and go, yeah, he saw it that way. Yeah, that was that was good because a couple of them looked like happy accidents. They were so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about his game was that both on you know on structure, off structure, you could see how he read the field very quickly and confidently, and yeah. he could make placement decisions that showed what he saw. Um, that was just logical, very logical. Um, I thought with Stroud, like I agree with you with Stroud. He had difficulty with defenders who had leverage over the top of him. Um, mm-hmm. He 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 would get baited by them, or he would think that he could make the play. And then there were plays with him where he should have made the throw, or yeah. I don't know if should have is the best word. I'll put it this way. The most creative and best quarterbacks in the NFL make the throws that he decided, nope, I'm not doing that, yeah. I'm going elsewhere. Um, which you kind of... On the one hand, admire because you go, he knows himself and he knows his limitations and he's going to work within his limitations, um, at least on that degree. But it was still something a little lacking. Uh, You know, look, I know that Anthony Richardson gets dinged because there's a lot of inaccurate throws that Mm -hmm. you'll see with his game. You'll see some dumb mistakes in terms of like throws of hubris. I'll call them throws of hubris where like you are, you've got a defender in your chest and you're trying to hit a ball 30, 40 yards downfield, and it doesn't make it, and the guy, and and it's intercepted. But I'm okay with those compared to not reading leverage well. And when I watched Richardson, the thing that turned me on to him so much was that there wasn't a quarterback in this class who could make efficient movements in the pocket, look in the middle of the field, look off the flat defender, hold the flat defender, and then come back to the middle or vice versa and do it in ways that it was so logically clear that he was manipulating and it was his first year as a starter. And he's like placing the ball in spots like where you have the dumb throws. You also have these throws where you're like, 
you can't teach that like that yeah. like he integrated all these things and the best way i've explained it is like this and i'll just throw it out here again is like imagine you and i were learning vietnamese and like um i go i i've learned you know i've had two to three years worth of classes you've had six months okay and i go to viet I go to ho chi minh city first and i go and i've learned you know i i i have i'm with a, a you know with a group of people and they they have a paid guide who who can help interpret and i've got my app that can do translation and you know i avoid all the bad parts of the neighborhoods i'm able to like i don't get fooled by someone scamming me trying to sell me something for way more than what it should because i'm obviously a, a, a tourist you know and and i'm like kind of you know got the the bumper guards kind of like the gutter guards yeah. on the bowling alley around me at all times but i'm getting my experience and i'm getting better but like when we have to go out to like a rural area and I or I'm going I'm somewhere on my own I have to ask people in Vietnamese over and over again can you please can you speak a little slower or I have to pull out my app to do it that's to me most of the quarterback prospects other than the top three but most of the mm -hmm. quarterback prospects that you see year after year who who get in that's that would be me you if you were Anthony Richardson in this case you had six months of language lessons you go in you don't have the app you don't need the app you get <laughs> yeah there's a couple times you got taken by someone who like ripped you off you wound up getting lost and in the wrong neighborhood but you're able to speak the language fast you're able to hear it fast you're able to convey it with a sense of humor. You get nuance and emotion. You end up making more friends who are actually native speakers. You actually <laughs> form closer connections. And yeah, you've made some dumb mistakes, but the things you've done like in six months and what you're able to show is like, I'm going to come back to the country and put on my resume that I spent a year in Ho Chi Minh City and that I've learned Vietnamese. But you're gonna like end up building a business there, and probably like have like, you know, have lifelong connections that are way more meaningful and like far more practical and applicable. Whereas I'm gonna forget the language in five years. You know, yeah. that's the difference to me between Anthony Richardson and what he does processing information. Mm -hmm. Versus like quarterbacks who we go, oh, they looked off the safety. That was nice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a big Anthony Richardson fan too. Like it's, I think when you you look at the unteachable things, when you're getting to the NFL, they're trying to streamline quarterback play. They really are. And if they, it, Josh Allen's an exception to the rule. I want everyone to understand. He worked so hard on his mechanics. It didn't have anything to do with his pocket feel or his his understanding of defenses. It was all mechanically. Like he was throwing ducks because his arm movement was wrong. So they got the weapon, they brought in Stefan Diggs, they had the offensive coordinator, and he put in so much time to fix his arm mechanics. And now we see, okay, all right, when, when you can fix things mechanically, it's different than you, when you have to take somebody who doesn't have pocket feel. Will Levis, for example, he has no pocket feel, none whatsoever. You can't teach that to a quarterback in the NFL. Not at They're this gonna have level. To, not you're not have now. To scheme it's already ingrained. Exactly. You're going to have to scheme that around him. Daniel Jones had the entire offense this year schemed around the fact that he couldn't see feel pressure. He couldn't do it. 
but he played and he had a good year. He got paid. Good for him. Great for him. Brian Dable has to stay there. Eric Kafka has to stay there for him to do that. It's very scheme-driven. Will Levis will have to be schemed to, and because he can't do, he doesn't have that pocket feel. Anthony Richardson, mechanically, yeah, you got some issues with your lower body and your upper body at times when you get out of the pocket and you're like, ah, I can make that throw. Ah, maybe, maybe sometimes you can, other times you can't. But what you can't teach is that pocket feel and processing. Those are things you can't teach. And teams are like, we don't have to streamline this. We can teach him the offense. We can teach him the defense. He's got the pocket feel. We just have to teach him how not to throw dumb stuff down the field. That's it. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is more Matthew Stafford coming yes. out of college than Malik Willis, the com- comparison I often hear. And I'm like, that you're talking about two different universes of of quarterback play if you ask me but like yeah, I'm but with you. yeah so who are let's 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 go down a stretch run here and say who are three of your favorite prospects at the skill positions for whatever reason oh man um i have been a josh downs fan since last year i watched him with diami brown maybe it wasn't him with diami brown i just remember no it was sam howell sorry i was watching sam howell i'm like this dude is different he's a different player and I, I've seen people knock him for maybe not having the best yak, but if we're being honest, look at his transition skills. Look at his route running. Look at the way he understands leverage and quick twitch. All of that transitions to being a yak player in the NFL. It, it's just I don't necessarily think he was asked to do a ton of that at, at North Carolina personally. We'll see how that transitions, but he's been my guy. He plays as one, I think he's a top three plays big receiver in this class. He nice. plays so much bigger than everybody else, except he plays bigger than Quentin Johnston plays. Oh, he plays bigger Quentin than that Johnson guy. Johnston plays like he's like 5'2". <laughs> yeah, we have the same thing about, uh, um, what was that, uh, out of Arizona State last year, the running back. Oh, yeah. Um, who's now with the Bucks? Yeah. Rashad White, who yeah. played much smaller than he does. And then everyone's like, well, here, here's a play of him running over somebody in the secondary with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Look at the rest of his plays. Yeah. Okay, don't just pick one. Like, look at Josh Downs consistently dunking on guys and setting him up. So, so Josh Downs is one of my absolute favorite guys. Jaden Reed, I, oh, he has been one of my me guys. Too. I, me I saw him at the too. Senior Bowl, and I'm like, he's always open. He's always open. So I'm like, I have to go see what what was going on in Michigan State because coming into the season, I was like, because I, I you know, I'm a Michigan fan, I, I watched him kind of destroy Michigan yeah. uh, two years yeah. ago, and I'm like. This, should, this is a transcendent process for him. This year, Michigan State's offense was just awful. Quarterback play was bad. Offensive line was bad. But again, the same things are always happening. This guy's always open. So that stuff, that translates. He's not going to be the biggest deep threat down the field because he doesn't have the 4-4, four, four, you know, the low 4-4s. Four, He's still a guy who can create separation. He plays well against press he gets open but the hand usage in the stem is excellent he understands how to use his hands and get open and i'm just like that translates you can play the z you can play the slot you don't have to play the x all that stuff works well for him and i love kendra miller i love kendra miller he's my rb5 in this class he's not the quick the twitchiest guy with in space like he's not the twitchiest guy in space with his hips but he's extremely good behind the line he with chaos around him he's like I know where to go. He, in that sense, he reminds me of Le'Veon Bell. He's very patient and understanding behind the, the the line of scrimmage. He's faster than Le'Veon Bell was. I also think he can catch the ball very well. You're going to have some probably issues with pass protection early, but he has the physical ability to pass protect, and he has the best contact balance in this entire draft class outside of Bijan Robinson. 
Like he's extremely good. So those are three guys that I'll, I'll love until the day I die. And if I can find ways to get them in all of my fantasy teams, I will. Uh, that's a that's a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, obviously, I could mention Anthony Richardson because I think yeah. he's a he's absolutely yeah. a fave of mine. Zach Evans, I already talked about as a fave of mine. Um, I love Kendra Miller. He's an RB. He's he's my sixth rank running back in this yeah. on this class, and and could easily be at the top range there. Um, wide receiver wise, Jaden Reed was certainly one of my guys too. So you you know we've mentioned a lot of. A lot of folks there that are already there. So I'm going to go a little deeper. I mentioned Christopher Brooks. He's from, yeah. just because I love how he, I like how he plays. He's not a, he's probably never going to be a starter. He, you know, he, mm-hmm. if he has a, if he's a contributing role on a regular basis, I'll be a fan. I like Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. Um, I get it. I, I, I like his game. Um, you know, he's great ball skills, capable flanker, transitions quickly. Um, you know, I think that there's there he could be a flanker or a hybrid flanker. Sam Laporta, I'm a big fan of Sam Laporta. Um, not as necessarily a blocker, but as a receiver. To me, he's Evan Ingram with better hands. That's like that's where okay. I see his future. If he was bigger, I would agree with you. I'm I'm still hesitant on Sam Laporta. I, I'll I'm not entirely sold on him. I, I again, Iowa is hard to really translate because their offense was awful. It's yeah. so it's so tough to watch Iowa offense, but you know, if for for Laporta, I under I get the the whole athlete at tight end. They need talent. He's gonna he's gonna inject a team that has like this bulking tight end that's gonna you know yeah. not gonna be able to run routes. Like if he lands in New York, I think you'd be pretty happy about that. Like with the with the Giants, I think that's a really nice option to to add to Daniel Bellinger, who's a good player. They, yeah. Did they just add, no? Never mind. They just traded for Waller. Um, Waller, so that's that's out the window there. But Unless either way, just, yeah. Either yeah. way, he's a fun he's, he's a fun yeah. receiver. I'll give him that. Yeah, and and a receiver that I'm really rooting for, but because every part of his game looks like Michael Thomas, except for the most important part, which is his hands, is Michael Wilson out of Stanford. Um, yeah, because man, like, like the, the build, the the acceleration, the the patience and suddenness out of you know with his footwork with releases, his ability to to make the man miss. Um, he had that long, that foot injury that kind of really took away his opportunity to have production for yep. a long stretch of time. And he can catch the ball well at moments, but it's still like the hands can be too far apart. He has more drops than he really should. If he can get his hands together, to me, he is um, the best route runner in this class. Like, I, I think he's, he's up there or very close. Um, so he really understands how to manipulate defenders with peaks and um, look-ins and um, different stair-stepping that that he handles really well with a good nuance of pacing um, and can really tell a story efficiently. So, but also with that that you know patience and suddenness that you want to see. So, you know, let's go to players that are riskier than their <clears throat> buzz. Who are some of those? I want <laughs> I want everyone to stay with me. Okay, I want everyone to stay with me. Bijan Robinson as the best running back prospect we've seen in a long time okay the only issue is that he has to be a top three running back in the nfl in the next two years um because he's going to get first round draft capital he's probably going to go in the top half of the first round we'll see and uh, i love Bijan. i still think there are times where his processing is too slow and he bounces things outside unnecessarily i agree he does he does those both of those things 
don't translate to immediate success. Like even Saquon, to an extent, did that a ton coming out, and he still has stretches where he's like, he's obviously the most athletic dude on the field, and he was one of the least efficient pass-catching running backs in the NFL last year. That's partly because he had to run. They ran their entire offense through him as a pass-catcher, so you have guys literally – He's catching a two-yard pass behind the line of scrimmage, and they're like, "Well, we know the ball's going to you, so you're gonna get you're gonna get tackled." Um, and again, Bijan is still my my RB one. He's still got a first-round grade for me. The reason he's a risk is because you are going to take a first-round pick and you're going to put it in a running back. If he does not become the top one, two running back in the NFL, even three, and is consistently making your offense a top offense, it's already a bust. It's already a bust. It doesn't matter what you do. You can't get that draft capital back to get somebody else that you maybe is a little bit riskier in terms of development, um, but could elevate your the premium positions, wide receiver, defensive end, uh, quarterback, depending on how you view it. So Bijan is an excellent player. The problem is that he can tank a team's future if you don't get to that point. And I'm hopeful that he does. I think he will. But that's why it's a little riskier than the buzz because you never really know with running backs. You don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, he's the the one, again, like I said, stay with me. I love him. Everyone loves him. He's going to be great, uh, but you, you don't really know. Jordan Addison is my my next one. I like I like Jordan. I think he's not to the level of route runners everybody else does, personally. Um, he does run good routes. You see him understanding leverage here and there. Most of that with off coverage. I see a lot a work to do with reading space when you don't have as much. He doesn't like, I went back and I watched the Oregon state game Two more physical Alex Austin and Rajon Wright corners that are going to be day three guys. They're more physical. They don't necessarily have the, uh, the quick twitch across the face. They're more scheme driven corners. I think Rajon gave him a lot of problems. Um, even without playing a ton of man press coverage because that's where you see Addison really struggle. His hand usage in the, in the route stem is not as refined as you'd like it to be. And he doesn't have the deep speed to consistently threaten corners that have speed. That's where I see a lot of his nuances, being able to stack a corner, get to his blind spot or get him trailing a little bit and then put the brakes on, shift the weight down and get into his brakes, whether it's going to be out, whether it's going to be down, whether it's going to be inside. That's where I like to see him. He does have, good speed. I don't think he has elite speed. And when you're in the NFL with guys at corners who all have deep speed, I wonder, is he going to be able to consistently get open? And people say he plays all over the place. I think he'll be a Z, probably predominantly in the slot. So he won't have to worry so much about that. But he's still going to be a little bit of a a risky pick because I also don't think he's the best yak player that people think he is. Like I've watched him on an end around and he should take this for a touchdown. He gets tackled after like five, 10 yards because he didn't understand when you have one guy in space, if you angle it to the outside and then run by him up underneath him, there's, there's so much, there's no one there, but he just kept angling it outside, angling it outside, angling it outside. So it's a risk for me. I think he's going to be a good player, but this wide receiver class is so weird. Um, you don't really know who's going to end up being the best. Landmines, baby. Landmines everywhere. <laughs> You could tell me that any any of the top seven, six, seven wide receivers become the best. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I, I can see a, a path to that. And that brings me to, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Johnston. Johnston is with the ultimate wild card. He has the tools to become a top, probably 12 receiver in the NFL, 
given what he has physical physically i don't think his i think his game speed is better than his uh combine or his uh, pro day time whatever he ran there i also think his short area is better than the test he did he did at his pro day because it, it looks different and, and at least in the big 12 which is another problem you have to consider he played against kansas and some really bad defenses in the big 12 but the ability and, and I've seen some people who have like actual scouting jobs doing this, saying that he's the best deep threat in this draft class, and that's just not true. It's not. But to be a deep threat, you have to you have to be able to catch the football. You have to be able to catch the football. <laughs> and you can win. You, can do all, you have to be able to do all these things. But as soon as anyone gets near him, he like he goes into a turtle. Like he he doesn't. He's like I don't I don't really know what to do here. And there's a play against Baylor where he's he stacks the corner. He's got at least I think two yards on on this corner, and it's in it's closer to the like the outside of the the sideline in the end zone. So he's got some space to work. And when you go up with your hands and they're like five inches apart, guess what? Where's that football going to go? You don't know. You you have to then you have to make decisions with okay, my hands need to come together now. Like you're clapping at the yeah, end. Yeah, the like, Queen concert or something, you know. I mean it's I, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Good for him. That's yeah. awesome. I'm I'm glad. I hope he had a good time. But at the end <laughs> in the NFL level, that's <laughs> not gonna get you a good time. And again, I try to do I I, I want everyone, all these players to succeed. I want every single one of them to. Uh, and I never will say something that one I don't believe in and that I, I think that they'll never get better. I don't I don't say that stuff. But typically guys that are big, that are fast, that struggle with catches down the field continue in the NFL to struggle with catches down the field. Marquez Valdez Scantling is one of the biggest examples of this. He still can't play down the field. He, he plays smaller than he is because he doesn't understand how. He doesn't know how. There are so many times you see him like wide open, maybe the ball's a little underthrown, so he has to slow down. And as soon as he does, he forgets that he can jump. He forgets that he can jump and come back to the football. Quentin Johnston does not come back to the football when it's in the air. He he lets it travel to him. That's a problem. Over the middle of the field on a drag route, he lets the ball travel to him. He's not catching the football. He's caressing the football. He's kind of letting it drop in his chest, which is why. At least three or four times you see him on a drag route and he just drops the football because it hits him off the chest and goes into the ground. So he's such a high variance player because, again, the talent and, and the ability that he has in the short area to be a really good yak player early and the deep speed. I'm I have questions about his route tree because TCU that's their problem. That that he's they're the reason we have questions about his route tree. I think he has the skills to be a good route runner, but we don't know yet until we know. So we'll find out this season if he can be a uh, Christian Watson level type of player, but even Christian Watson, who everyone was like, Hey, he was so great. He had like two good games. And then he went nowhere because he couldn't catch a football. So just try and, and, and understand that this guy, I want him to succeed so badly. He's a risky pick in the first round because if he still struggles to catch the football down the field, what is he? he he's a slot receiver. Yeah. I love it. And I, I would head off with, I would lead off with Quentin Johnston as well yeah. for, for those exact same reasons. Doesn't really understand the position, how to position himself with the ball. And it's so crazy. All the examples you brought up are fantastic with that. Um, and you could include Gabriel Davis as the high-end version of that. Agreed. Um, Agreed. You know, so, but you, it, it just amazes me because these guys, by the time they do figure it out, they're in year three. They're, they're, they're afraid they're going to lose their job. They're on the verge yeah. of losing their job rather than, 
you know, spending more time saying, let me get in front of a jugs machine or let me get someone to throw me some balls and I'm going to say, only throw them chest high and above so that I can practice coming up with my hands together, you know, rather than doing the clapping thing and bringing them together from a separate direction, um, using the right position. So, yeah, I worry about him. Um, definitely a guy there. Chase Brown is another example of a guy that um, I don't know if he's getting as much buzz as I saw a little bit earlier in the year, but mm-hmm. he tends yeah. to turn his back into contact um, rather than like really. And there's some odd ball plays like where like <laughs> I like his acceleration. I like some of the choices that he makes, but there's some plays where he literally just um, will back his way. Like he'll, he'll catch the ball, see open space and see a defender coming down. He'll end him instead of dropping his pads. He'll literally turn his back and run backwards. Like I've seen him do this. I think it was against Iowa. And I was like, that was the weirdest thing I had ever seen um, from a running back, you know, but there are some good, there are good elements of his game, but I I do have concerns about him. Um, You know, in terms of riskier than their buzz, Tyler Scott, I don't really get like I, he can run after the Mm -hmm. catch. He does make tough catches, but the way he catches the ball he would have to be Terry McLaurin to make it the way that for Terry McLaurin, the way Terry McLaurin does mm-hmm. it. And I've only seen one Terry McLaurin um, thus far yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> so the odds are kind of low for me in that regard that I, that I have concerns about him. Um, you know, I would also say from, let's see, you know, from a running back perspective, Sean Tucker, for I'm, me at least. I I'm, talked a lot about Sean Tucker though, so <laughs> I'm kind of a. I kind of like Sean Tucker more than most, um, but he's you know to me he's at the bottom end of a guy who could be a contributor. I okay. like his acceleration, but I'd say <laughs> Eric Gray to me. I okay. don't. I've worked hard to try and like see Eric Gray in the light of way you, you know other people are seeing him. I think if he had explosive acceleration and speed, he'd be yeah. top five on the board. But I, I see him as kind of his upside to me is like Miles Gaskin, and like Miles Gaskin's a pretty good running back. Yeah, you know? I, get it. I can I can see that too. Like you see it, you see you see Eric Gray. You're like, okay, there's the hole. He's like, okay, I'll get there. Yeah. Don't worry, yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, you know, but like the idea that he's gonna be like a lead back. In the NFL, I'm thinking, yeah, if like there's two injuries to the depth chart, and I got to use them, and they exactly. figure out a way to pair it, that's great. But no, they're not sticking with that dude. Like that to me, that's to me is some of those guys. I'm not as big of a tank fan as you are. Um, that's fine, but you know, I, I, it is what I it is. It. <laughs> you know, but like, but I wanted to. I wanted to love Tank Bigsby. It didn't happen for me as much. But um, let's talk about then this this way. Let's end with guys that you think are long shots. And you're rooting for them, but you're like, you know that it's probably long odds for them. Um, I'm starting off with Andre Yoshibash. I love I love his talent. And that's pretty much what he is. He's a he's a ball of clay because playing at Princeton, he even has come out and said that they didn't do one-on-ones in practice. So he didn't know how to play like the one-on-ones at the senior bowl. He didn't know what he was doing because 
They didn't teach him how to do that. So you have to, to, to think about this guy who played his career at Princeton. He's going to be, I think he's older. I think he's going to be 24-ish by the time the season starts. He's, he's a little bit older of a prospect too. But he's he's got so much athletic raw ability with from a yak perspective. He has really good ball skills too. Like It's, it's really hard to see him in a, a position where he's going to succeed in terms of being what he could be. Like he's a discount version of of Quentin Johnson who can catch the football. He's a really good yak player, and he can go get the ball. I think he has really good hands, but the difference is that he doesn't have a clue what he's doing, running routes, reading leverage, reading defenses, because he never had to do it, really, from a high-level perspective. So you're talking about a jump, and not only a jump in competition, he did that at the Senior Bowl, but now it's to the NFL from Princeton at a place where they don't value um, wide receiver play, don't value you know a ton of uh, football. <clears throat> so I love what he can do. He's got to get in the right spot, and then everything has to go right for him to be able to, to do what I think he can possibly do. But I, I really do love his upside. Mitchell Tinsley is a guilty oh, pleasure like for too. me. <laughs> I love Mitch, Mitchell Tinsley. And I got him watching Jareth Stearns and Bailey Zappi last year at uh, Western Kentucky. And I'm like, I know everyone's like talking right now on draft Twitter about Jareth Stearns. This dude's better than him. He's better than him like by a long shot. And I think we can see now that Jareth Stearns wasn't going to do anything and he was cut from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, practice squad or whatever it was earlier this season but Tinsley has got good speed he's a four or five guy and he's a much better short area yak player than anyone will ever give him credit for anyone will ever give him credit for because he does he understands that catch to attack leverage he's like okay I catch it I see you coming here I, I, I got space over there I'm gonna go over there he's really good at attacking that his ball skills are kind of up and down. He does have some drops that you're like, you probably should have caught that. And then he comes back with this dunk on somebody. And you're just like, okay, there's the upside there. He's probably going to be probably fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh round draft pick. He transferred to Penn State last year where they were kind of experimenting with him, trying to figure out what was best for him. You didn't see a lot of yak possibilities with him, but they also they had you know Parker Washington, who's not a yak player, who was much better at a catch point too. And then they didn't use Tinsley as much, but you have Sean Clifford throwing the football, so it's really hard to gauge where he was able to 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 do anything at Penn State. So that's why I I kind of stay with my Western Kentucky film on him because Bailey Zappi, one, he's now played a couple games in the NFL for the Patriots. I think he did pretty decently. I don't think he's going to ever be a starter, but. We're like, okay, so he was a decent quarterback. He had decent quarterback play at Western Kentucky, and we saw what he did with that. So I'm like, this guy's probably going to go late day three, and I think if he lands somewhere, he's big. He has that all that speed. And again, he's not going to be beating guys down the field with his speed, but a four or five, you can you could do enough with that uh, to 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 really work. And we've already talked a little bit about my guy Deuce Vaughn, who has got everything has to break right for him from yes. the size perspective to to make it in the NFL. And, but I, th the reason I think that he can do it is because he understands, he makes, he's probably one of the best decision makers at running back in this entire class. Agreed. He sees, he's like, okay, I I'm, I'm running this, this outside zone here and I mean, or whatever it is, but whether it's um, duo, whether it's a uh, trap, anything like that, where he's like, I'm one-on-one -on -one with this defender. Okay. I can bounce this outside. I can. I'm not going to because I don't know what's going to happen out there with this this edge defender who's he's shaded a little bit outside. I know I have the speed to get around there, but maybe I trip. You know, maybe he, he catches up and he has a better angle. So instead, he makes the good decision, 
get six, seven yards right in between the C gap or in the B gap, wherever it is that he is. He goes straight forward, turns out yards. He's quick enough. He's got fast. He ran a four four six. I've got people on Twitter saying that's not a good time for him. What anything is under four five is good for him. He ran a four four six. Like I can't understand that thinking that he's not that time wasn't good enough for him. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. I understand he's small. That's fast. That is fast. He's quick. He is fast. He can catch the football. Yes, he's not going to be a hey, pass uh, protection back for you because he can't do it. It's not his game. Don't ask him to. Just don't ask him to. He's probably not even going to be able to chip because he gets like a shoulder on a, on a, a defensive end. He's going to go go sideways. He's going to fly out, out of the way. But decision-making translates. When you can re-leverage at the offensive line, when you can find the gap, when you can sneak, we can get skinny and sneak through. We talk, we hear on Sundays, everyone saying this running back, he gets skinny. Well, guess what? Deuce Vaughn's already small and he makes good decisions. He can find creases, he gets there. And then he's a really... He's a really good change of direction player in space too. So everything does have to break right for him to not, you know, to not withstand injury, to have a team willing to let him get out on the field to make plays. I'm rooting for him so, so hard because he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, Deuce would be at the top of my list too. I think if if I didn't have certain things embedded in terms of. Um, you know, matching up against bigger players and yeah, how you do sure. that, he might have been a top four, top five back in my class just based yeah, on skills. Exactly. Based on exactly. skills alone. And it's and so it, it was tough. You know, I really enjoy watching him. Keelan Harris out of Oklahoma Baptist, um, he's a five nine, one hundred and eighty one pound receiver who watching the tape it's tough to see, you know, who he's matching <laughs> up against, you know, when you're you know, but at the same time I can see you know, when he played at the the Hula Bowl, apparently he was like, uh, or the Tropical Bowl, he dominated. Um, I I like what I see. He's electric. He has a very wide catch radius. Good body control. Did take some tough shots, and you could see him win the ball. So at the worst end of the spectrum, I see a guy who's an aspiring Kiki QD. If he's, nice. if he's way better than that because he does translate athletically, you might be looking at someone who's a little better than Wandale Robinson and working his way up towards Marquise Brown's area code. Okay. Um, so I'm, like I'm rooting for that possibility. Um, and then from a um, from a tight end perspective, let's you, you know I'm I'm kind of rooting for not because he's not because I think he's going to be a star. But I like Payne Durham out of Purdue. I do too. He's like, I love him. He, he grew up down the way from me. I didn't know this until about three weeks ago. But he like he actually he he's he probably went to high school probably about thirty minutes from where I live. Wow. Um, and he is a. I love his short area quickness. I think he has the best hands of any tight end in this class. The he, best. The he, best. He, I mean, like he's a vacuum cleaner. Every angle, every direction, like hit, getting hit, yep. whatever. Like he might have some of the best hands of anybody in this class. And he, but he's just not fast enough. He's a four nope. eight seven forty guy. Even his twenty shuttles four five one. Um, so you're kind of like not all that great. But he has, he understands how to get open in the tight in the tight spaces yeah. and he's a good blocker he's not great but he's good like i think he's gonna i think he'll get better so i'm a fan of Payne durham i want to see him have a long career in whatever capacity that too. he can have yeah 
yeah. was dominant at the senior bowl too, like just catching everything. So just even if it's just a red zone threat, get him on the field, just throw the ball to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So, and then from a running back perspective, Zazavian Valade, the Wyoming Arizona State back. If you could, if this dude could be ten to fifteen pounds heavier and get the explosion gains that could come with that if he could if that mm-hmm. he could actually do that i think there's a lot of skills that he could leverage like i think he's a good receiver i i like some of the things that he does with contact balance he had an impressive pro day but you know pro day grass is different than the combine so so <laughs> oh, i'm man. not it's really buying you know, i'm not buying the you know there could be a 0.15 difference in terms of in terms of how people look at that, judge that speed and quickness. But to me, he's like, he he's an aspiring Tyson Chandler who I was never really high on as yeah. he is. But if he were, if he could be that explosive guy, if he could add that weight, then I'd be looking at a guy who might be, um, who Joe McKnight aspired okay. to be. Um, you, you know, and Good so player. there's just some ways of how he plays the game I really enjoy. So, you know, overall, I mean, this was this was great. I I mean, we could awesome. we could have probably gone a couple more hours. We need to get some beer or something to be able to do that. <laughs> oh, absolutely, this is this is perfect. This is great. It was so much fun. <laughs> well, we're gonna definitely try and do this again. Um, you know, you can follow Daniel at In Harm's Way 19 on Twitter. You can find him at the RGR, um, you know, on YouTube. And then also, of course, Fantasy Astronauts with the with the great folks there. Um, and, you know, you can find the RSP. It's available now, 2195, mountwaldman.com. Appreciate the feedback and the support. Um, that's It's been awesome um, the past couple of past really past four or five days have been great um it's nice to get a chance to a little relax and chop it up and hear yeah. other people's opinions that i hold in esteem so this is this has been awesome and um we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks